0: Welcome to Witchlit, a place to talk about the craft of writing and writing the craft. I'm your host, Victoria Rashke, author, publisher, witch, and nosy Scorpio. Sandra Santiago is a radical educator, activist, and poet. Sandra is initiated in various branches of African spirituality. She is a Lakumi priestess of Obatala, as well as a Yaya Nganga in Payo Mayombe. She is a certified Reiki master and is accredited by the World Metaphysical Association and the Accreditation Council of Holistic Healers. Sander is a medium in the Afro Caribbean tradition of Esperitismo and has been offering consultations and readings since 2010. Her work can be defined as decolonization therapy. It is a healing process where wounded spirits and souls from disenfranchised groups can work to recover. From historical trauma, racism, and other collective ills caused by the long-term negative effects of colonization. Sandra's work has been published in various anthologies, including Shades of Faith, Minority Voices in Paganism, and Shades of Ritual, Minority Voices in Practice. And she has contributed to The Wild Hunt, a daily online news journal. She has also taught at many gatherings, conferences, and venues across the United States. Her latest publication is a chapter in Llewellyn's Complete Book of North American Folk Magic, Lakumi, Espiritismo, and the Windy City, African Diaspora Magical Faiths. Sandra Santiago, welcome to Witchlet. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. We have uh, not had a Lukumi practice, pra- okay. practitioner on, awesome. so it'll be great to talk about some stuff that you know, maybe listeners aren't as familiar with yes. I'm excited about. But our first question for everyone, um, and I think this might be especially interesting because both of your traditions are really oral traditions yeah is in yes. this age of all the ways to communicate why write right why write um
1: because it's time to disseminate the information um in this age of technology um, it's important to keep these traditions alive and i think that even though these are oral traditions these are ancient traditions and we call them ancient technologies mm-hmm. um the knowledge, um, has to evolve with the times. And so it is written.
0: Yeah. Um, did you always want to write or did the writing kind of come as this, as this want to kind of distribute this information? Like, with, I guess, actually, egg. I, was <laughs> an,
1: I was an English major in college and, um, I, I wasn't feeling it, but I've always been writing like I've always written poetry mm-hmm. as a child and a young person and just English classes. I, I just I wasn't feeling it. So then I went into film mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I went into education and I figured I could do everything as an educator. So
0: yeah, it came um it kind of came naturally. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, that makes sense. And I do it's funny you say that because I do think education, yes. You know, depending on where you land in education you know like you do have the opportunity to be creative in so many ways to get that information across um what age did you teach or what did you teach
1: yeah i am an early childhood educator oh. so yeah i have my um undergrad in education and my masters is in language and bilingual oh, okay. education so that takes it from little ones to big ones like oh, adults yeah. learning but um my bread and butter is
0: actually teaching little people. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So I imagine like th- that, um, like need for to write poetry. Like children love poetry. Like yeah. I mean, children especially love rhymed poetry because yes. like, I think stimulates their brains. <laughs> but also felt like you just have opportunity to get so much packed into there. You're right.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, No, um, the writing actually, um, I was, I was in the performance poetry scene for a while, for a long while in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then I left and it's some stuff in Minnesota, some performance poetry came back to Chicago. But at that point, just the nature of the scene um, Mm -hmm. changed. And so, um, yeah, I kind of just write for myself. And then I was invited to write for The Wild Hunt a couple of times. And, Mm -hmm. um, I really just
0: like talking
1: about my practice. So Mm -hmm. ask me and I'll tell
0: you, let's write Let's write about it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, awesome. So now I have a question though, um, because, because you, you write, you're an educator and your actual faith practice requires a lot of engagement with travel and time and all of that. So how do you balance all of that and have time for creative space for you?
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm, because I'm a teacher, I do most of my creative stuff in the summer and mm-hmm. on break. So I'm yeah. lucky that, you know, I get, I, my work provides me the opportunity to do what I love. So summers mm-hmm. are mine, winter breaks, some spring breaks, those are mine. And that's when I can really focus on my, so paint. So my painting, mm-hmm. my jewelry, making my, my creative, um, my, my creative side comes out during, during that time. Mm-hmm. That's my downtime. Yeah.
0: Oh, but that's great. And I think it's so good for people to hear that. I mean, we've talked about this a lot with other writers on the show, and I talk about it with writers I know in my life is that, you know, I think there's this stereotype that to be a writer, you have to like get up at four o'clock every morning and write all day. And like m- most people don't really can't really do that. Right. I mean, it's yeah, no, not it's reality. not.
1: I, I think about, I think it was Toni Morrison who'd like put her babies to bed. She, you know, in an interview, she said she'd put her babies to bed and then her writing time was like 10 o'clock to like, you know, four in the morning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that comes when, when, when the inspiration hits and when those words are right, you just, you got to do it. You take their notes, you have your notebook next to your Mm bed. And that might sound kind of stereotypical, but yeah, I, it it just, I kind of just flow
0: with it. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, no, I'm a big believer in carrying a notebook because you just never know when an idea is going to hit you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Especially coming
1: out of the mouth of babes. Like they might say something that's inspirational to so like, oh my gosh, where did this come from? And then just take it and and just go with that. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. I hadn't even thought about like all the inspiration you would get from your students. Yeah, that totally makes yeah. sense to you. <laughs> awesome. Um, so the the North American folklore or I keep wanting to say folklore, it's folk magic. I keep saying yeah. the title wrong. Um, the folk magic book. Um edited by Corey Thomas-Etchison. For folks who don't know, it's been out for a little bit. Um, so how did you get involved in that project?
1: Yeah, so living in Minnesota was really great because um, there aren't a lot of people who um, practice my faith. And so I, the, the pagan community is amazing over there. And so I really um, was able to connect with a lot of people from the pagan community. Mm-hmm. And Corey was one of the people Um, and it's like, Hey, I, I know, so I need somebody who, who knows about this or who knows about that. So people would like refer me out. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) that's just kind of how I
0: connected with Corey. And, um, here we are. Awesome. Yeah. So I, there was so much in like, I mean, it's funny to me, like in a brief chapter, like how much you were able to just kind of smash in there. There's so much information, but, um, I think one of the things that really struck me is and then it shows up in your biography too, uh, for yeah. folks who haven't read the chapter yet. Um, the idea of the I don't know idea isn't really the right word, even just the yeah. the reality, I guess, of um, you know, reclaiming these practices is decolonization. Yes. And how important that is. And I really wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about that.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, it's 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 something that is just so ingrained in me. And I think that. As a you know, as a person of color, I think we are bombarded by expectations and by um just what the what it, white what whiteness expects of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is this is anti this is an anti-colonial stance. I mean, in the 70s you had the Brown Berets and the young lords were doing a lot of social justice work in the community. And I think in the the the, the new social justice work. Um, comes with the reclaiming of indigenous practices mm. and so um this is a stance against uh, against um colonialism um uh mainstream standards of of what is and I think that you know and even writing for the well, hunt and writing um this chapter um I think about um you know what colonialism did to 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 kill a culture, to kill the, mm-hmm. the indigenous cultures and African cultures. Um, and so this is a reclaiming of ancestral knowledge, actually. Mm-hmm. And coming back to who, who maybe embody, embodying who we are as, as a whole person. I think parts of us have, have been taken away. And um, you know, if we're talking, now I'm getting on the spiritual side. If we're talking okay. about how, how um, you know, the soul pieces of our soul are, are taken and are left in, in places of trauma and intergenerational trauma. I mean, you go into intergenerational trauma and 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 what has happened to pieces of those souls within us and our ancestors. This is reclaiming all that, all mm-hmm. that knowledge. And in reclaiming that we we're putting those pieces back. Yeah and almost calling calling those pieces back from where they were, whether they were on the land in the ocean wh- wherever our ancestors are where are buried or or died or mm-hmm. you know mass graves whatever you want to call it we're calling them back to us through yeah. these practices
0: yeah i I'm, i think that it's real clear in the chapter and i i pulled up the uh a couple things from wild hunt where you kind of talk about the same thing i think part yeah. of it may even be an excerpt from the chapter but um yeah it was <sighs> I mean, I think it's such an important conversation and it's one of those things where I feel like there's for people outside the community, especially for white people outside of the the practice community, yeah. you know, I think Pagans are better about understanding that these are closed practices and not to socially appropriate or not to, you know, culturally appropriate right. from them. But I think in some ways, sometimes it goes too far the other way. It's like, I don't, I don't get to know about this. I don't. Right. And I think what your chapter does and some other work in this book and other work that's coming out, it's like, no, we want you to know we're here. Right. And this, right. these are the things that you can know about and share with. And so I kind of wanted to see what you thought about that or kind of talk about that a little bit too.
1: Yeah. I, I think education is important. I think that part of understanding, right. Is not to be live in fear, but mm-hmm. once you become educated, then you have a better understanding. Um And some practices are closed so I could speak as much as I could about just the general information, like everything that I put in that chapter is like general information. That's like, that's the primer for anybody Mm -hmm. who's not, not aware, doesn't know or has heard, but you know, doesn't know where to search for information. There's Mm -hmm. just basic working knowledge to understand, um, what's going on because a lot of the stuff that's coming out because people are now living in their, in their spirituality and it, and present it's a kind of like a here we are moment in time um we're seeing more of the African deities of these deities being spoken of and sung about I mean mm-hmm. think of years ago and Beyonce a couple of years ago Beyonce did this whole um uh performance at the Grammys dedicated to Osun, Oshun who mm-hmm. is goddess of fertility and love and um uh you know people were like what's going on and so this is kind of gives you an understanding. Who was Oshun? Who Mm was Tango? Who are these deities? And so I think that education is key um, so that people don't become afraid or um are not afraid to ask questions or just having some some basic knowledge. It's really funny because um when I lived in Minnesota, you know, it's I think a lot of white people had a hard time like asking questions. And I was like, look, I'm not taking it personally. So you have a question? I can't speak for all people of color, but I can speak for, you know, myself. And, you know, I had a lot of wonderful pagans ask some really great questions that just they didn't know where to go to just because they didn't have the resource or the Mm -hmm. were scared. And, you know, as an educator, I'm here to support. And a lot of people of color don't want to educate. And I get it because it's not our job to, but because I have these relationships with people and and they felt comfortable Mm -hmm. and they were trusting, loving, caring relationships. And, you know, we can have these convers We could have these conversations. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned fear there. And I think, you know, I think about like, fear of kind of African traditional religions in two ways. I think pagans are afraid of stepping on somebody's toes or or doing something wrong (laughs) if they're aware. I mean, I I think, you know, there are probably still people who need to learn that lesson out there. So I don't want to say that's resolved because I don't think that is either. But I think there's also just generalized fear that these are somehow dark and scary. And, you know, we still have the ghost of the satanic panic and all that stuff. And I'm just so glad to see that so much is coming out. These are not things to be feared in that way. Do you still encounter that as a practitioner with people? Always. I mean, I was
1: on, I was on like TikTok this morning and somebody was talking about Orisha and they're like, this is, this is demonic and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So there's even backlash within the community, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and this is, I am in no way making light of anything, but, you know, Christ is king, right? Mm -hmm. In, in in the, in the Christian, within the Christian sect. And um, you know within our own people of color Christ is king this is demonic this is evil you're going to hell you you know save save yourself now and it's like thanks <laughs> thank you for that I'm gonna keep it moving but yeah we encounter that we encounter that all the time um you know even even today there was a Yamaya there was a ceremony for Yamaya who's goddess of the sea mother mother of of all. I wasn't able to make it really early. Um, but, you know, one reason to do it so early is because the stigma. Right. So It's like at the crack of dawn, I wasn't able to make drive all the way over there today to Chicago. But, um, yeah, one reason to do it. It's because it's sacred. And sometimes we do need a witness when we do a ceremony. But this was just a really calling to the community to honor. And even in that, there's going to be there's going to be something. There's going to be someone saying something. So,
0: yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, they're um, like only driving out the ignorance can help there. Right.
1: Exactly. And so I'm glad that Corey put this together. Um, I think this is a great, a great primer for anybody looking, searching for, searching for something. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, I had a friend and he was like, I just, I don't feel it. The Christianity, I don't feel it. I I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not feeling it. I, I think I'm driven to find something else and this is a great resource
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know what connects with you what is right. ancestral leading you to what is spirit leading you to you know
0: this might be the beginning of something yeah I hope so yeah I mean it, it like you said it's a great resource there's um I have, gosh can't remember, there's like over 20 contributors yeah so it's just there's a lot of there's a lot there and I think um you know because now people can see this in one place, then you have all of the doors to open from that. The references yeah. that people use in their chapter and the writers themselves and other things they've written. So I'm really hopeful of that. And, you know, one of the things I think has been exciting is that publishers like Llewellyn and Wiser and other publishers, you know, even big publishers who have small imprints yeah. around spirituality issues are publishing more about um, African traditional relations and, and you know, African derived relations in the, U.S. and Canada, Yeah, we see more about, um, you know, Latin American belief systems and things like that too. And yeah. I think it's more, like you said, it's more gets out there that can be shared to just kn- to understand the culture of it, not to tell you how to practice this. And I hope that people yeah. see that and support these books because I, I just really feel like it's so important. Absolutely. So what, like for you writing wise, since, you know, we're mostly podcasts about writing, but I want to talk about all these other things to you, all these bigger ideas. Um, So writing wise, like, what is your goal from here? Like, what do you hope comes out of this project or what's next on the horizon for you as a writer? Well, um, if you know, Evo Dominguez, Mm -hmm.
1: uh, yeah, he invited me to write um, The Aquarius Witch. Oh, wonderful! So I wrote a little bit. I wrote some out, something out. It's still in the works. He just came mm-hmm. out. I think it was the Aries witch. Yeah, I think the
0: first one just came out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm working on a Aquarius Aquarius witch. So I was really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been also invited to write for some to some other um, publications, but it, time wise, it's just so hard. Right. Because you know, I do it. it the time constraints to to write, um, as well as like the work that I do with my plan, my planning, my lesson planning, and all. Wonderful thing, with teacherhood. Um, right. It has been really uh, difficult, so I have to like pick and choose. But mm-hmm. it's been really exciting to have just some offers come my way. So I, any offers in the summer, I'm I'm taking
0: offers now. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent.
1: Good <Little> plug.
0: <laughs> good plug, good plug. Sandra's available. <laughs> anyone who's listening in the
1: summer. Yeah. So, um, you know, I hope I I really hope to be able to do more writing. I kind of feel like the market's really saturated right now with all these books on being a bruja and brujeria and, you know, the, the American bruja. And I'm just like, what has been said that, what hasn't already been said that I can say, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm just kind of waiting, waiting it out. I want to, I'm looking for my niche my niche yeah. and, um, just see what, what moves me. I, I have a lot on my mind. I have a lot to say. I, I just haven't found, I haven't found like the topic, kind of to mm-hmm. put it, like culminate all this, all this information, all this knowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting and, and thinking, um, always writing, right. We always write and just seeing what comes, what comes from
0: that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, I, I feel like there has been a lot like published especially like just in the last two or three years it seems like there's been a lot but um i feel like we hopefully we're just scratching the surface of what people have to say to um and you know i've heard more people talk about espiritismo but i haven't seen a lot of books specifically about it there
1: are there are a lot of books and it's really interesting because there are a lot of more books if you type it in there are Mm-hmm. There's a lot of information, a lot of the books in a Espiritismo. So, do you know about Alan Kardec? I have heard the name. Yes. And there's actually a movie on Netflix about him. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, Alan Kardec, that's not really his name. I can't remember his full name, but Alan Kardec was his spiritist name. And that was the person who brought it to Puerto Rico. Is that's that right? That's right. Okay. And so, all of his writings, basically, he transcribed writings as a medium so all mm-hmm. the books that are out by him are, are books that we still use in our oh, okay. in our in our stances mm-hmm. um how to communicate with spirits what the spirit the spirit's perspective on life death and the world like there's just so much out there and um so those are like our primers those are our the mm-hmm. espiritistas those are our primers but there's um there are a lot of other books, based on on, on those writings, mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, revamping what has what was written. I mean, it's been translated into I don't know how many languages. So things have gotten lost in translation and in a lot and for, in Spanish. A lot of the uh, Spanish is archaic. So it's been translated into modern Spanish and then into modern English. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of information out there and and people explaining what Espiritismo is. I have a very good friend, uh, Santista Brujo Luis. He's also written a, a really great book on, on Espiritismo. He breaks down everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's another great resource and friend.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's good to know. And I, it, it fascinates me. I've done I a book. I write fiction and I'm working on a book that has um, some spiritualism background around Lilydale and that colony yeah. establishing. And so I kind of got some sidelines into the other branches of that exist from this very fruitful time, I guess, in yeah. like the burned over district and all of that stuff of, of New York. So it's been interesting. Yeah, I feel like there's, um, I don't know, the history is fascinating, but that, you know, I think it's it's easy, especially as a researcher, to get caught up in the history and not think about current practice and how yeah. none of this is trapped in amber, right? Everything evolves, right. changes and grows
1: absolutely
0: absolutely
1: um and so again he was like "Why write? because these this has to continue and so hopefully mm-hmm. um and also this mystif- demystifies it mm-hmm. i think there's a lot you know and and educates a lot of people are not you know spiritism versus i think i can't remember what the other ones there's spiritism and spiritual spirit i can't remember there was two different right two different um I don't know, topics and i for this with this one i think it just really demystifies what it is mm-hmm. explains it um yeah <laughs> and like you said it has to evolve and grow mm-hmm. um and that's important because then there's death and yeah. there's death of the practice death of the religion mm-hmm. and and some people it's not so much a religion as it is a practice but because there's there's so many religious aspects to it um, yeah, but it, you know, we, we wanted to continue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the important thing. It's like, um, it is, it's the, the beauty and the danger of oral traditions, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yes. Writing wise, how is having this chapter like you've got obviously gotten some more stuff kind of coming on your plate. Yeah. But how has that been for you to get that published, get that out there? Like just personally as a writer, how's that, how's Exciting. that been for you?
1: Yeah. I was like, yeah, somebody wants to hear from me. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? I mean, I think it goes back to like that trauma I had as a child where nobody mm-hmm. listened to me. Like people, I know stuff, you know, but this is in a different context. That was more mm-hmm. speedy, more kind of stuff. But like, you know, the fact that I've been entrusted to um, be a disseminator of information um, that and it's just kind of come full circle for me. And I'm really yeah. excited. I'm, I can't. Yeah, I, I just I'm thrilled. I'm excited um, and as a writer to have your have people read your ideas, you know, and I'm and it's not even like I, I think fiction writing is 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 amazing. Um And, but this is so different. It's like educating, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's And so to be able to educate, that's really great. I love educating people. And also, you know, I've done, I've done workshops. Um, I used to do a lot of work with Santa Muerte. So I did workshops on Santa Muerte. I did workshops on, on Orisha, on on Spiritism. And, um, you know, I'm able to put this on in paper and have people and, and maybe educate more people than if I was just at a workshop. Mm-hmm. So more people get to understand and learn. And that's really
0: exciting to me. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, well, there's always that feeling as a writer, like when you see it in print, like on the page, Yeah, that feeling of accomplishment. But I think you're right when you're writing nonfiction, that education piece, especially for someone who is an educator, that, that has to be exciting. I'm excited for you. And you can hear it in your voice, how excited you are. <laughs> um, so uh, we've talked a little bit about what next, but like long term goals for you like would you want to write full time i mean is this like the career projector you see yourself on or
1: i i don't think i'd be able to do that maybe when i retire like you know i I've, i'm far from retirement age um it's 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 a, it's ahead of me over there i mm-hmm. see it coming in the tunnel but <laughs> i mean that's something that i really would love to do i wish i could do i'm hoping that After this chapter and, you know, just how I've been motivated to do a little more writing for myself, um, putting all these pieces together, I really do hope to come out with something in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, there's just so much out there. The market, I feel, is really saturated and I'm like, good for them. Like knowledge is out there. Um, I'm just really thinking about what to say and how to say it, Mm -hmm. what to talk about. There's just, girl, there is so much out there. <laughs> yeah. On the topic, it's like, and a lot of times I feel like a lot of it repeats itself just because it's like the common knowledge and the mm-hmm. common practices. So I'm just kind of waiting in the wings and waiting for my time. But I, I, for being a a, a full time writer, that is a dream. Yeah, I mean, I was an English major like freshman year in college, so
0: that would be the dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A fellow English major, I see you. Hey. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I mean I tell people I am mostly write full time, but I still have like a contract job. So I, I yeah cannot support myself writing at this point.
1: Yeah, I I that is a dream. I and that's why I'm like, I don't think I could be able to do that full time.
0: Yeah. But I love the idea of having something. I mean, you know, I'm a generation X person and I think we've all been like, yes. retirement. What's retirement? Like, what is that? Do we get to do yeah. that? You know, like <laughs> Having so something I that I see you, it, but I don't know, yeah yeah. The economy, yeah, yeah, I mean, having something that you can take into, you know, perhaps past a public work life into <laughs> our third act. yes, I mean, I'm still not a hundred percent comfortable with elder. Not there yet. I'm close, but I'm not there yet. Oh, I'm moving into it. i I love it. I love it. I love elderhood. i'm I'm moving into it and happily. Yeah. I'm not quite ready. I think, I mean, I turned 50 last year and I'm like, oh, this is when you're supposed to be, you know, this is what you're supposed to be like looking at elderhood, but 50 feels so different than when I thought it would. Like if you told yeah. me I would feel like this at 50 at 20, I'd have been, no, I'll be in a rocking chair in a retirement home, but.
1: That was 50 then. This is the new 50. We're still getting yeah. tattoos and saving our exactly. heads. I, mean, exactly. I still have my docs, man.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. It was a totally different 50 looks totally different. I, was, I can't remember who was on the show. It might've been Felix Lafay. We were talking about, you know, the golden girls, like when yeah. they were on, like they were in their fifties. Yeah. Yeah. I just found that out and it's like, no way. Yeah. Like, okay. Clearly what 50 well, is. I'm changed? not looking like an
1: S.O. Getty anytime soon. Or at least I'm not trying to, you know what I'm saying? No, no. <laughs> Although
0: I will say be Arthur had some style. <laughs> Yes, she did. She had some sass, which I always appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's interesting to it just to think about that because I do think, I don't know, I think, and maybe this is something that is built in differently to different communities. Like, yeah. I feel like, at least in my experience as a mostly solitary practitioner for most of mm-hmm. my life, like there's not really a step or a ceremony or a place where I go, okay, I'm stepping into my elderhood. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just kind of have to bonk my own self on the head with the magic wand and say, I'm an elder now. Yeah. And then in other communities, that's actually part of the process. So I think that is interesting to me too. Absolutely.
1: Um, You know, I, I have a lot of friends in the indigenous dance community, the Aztec dancing community here in Chicago. And they, I love it because they've reclaimed those ceremonies that were lost. Mm-hmm. And so there's a ceremony for motherhood and there's a ceremony when a girl has her first blood and when, you know, all um, for death, for elderhood, from for stages and ages. It's a beautiful thing. In um, Lukumi, there are certain ceremonies um, that mark the progression of time in the practice
0: mm-hmm.
1: also. So that is really helpful because a society has lost that. And I think that, you know, where we are with our kids nowadays, it, it especially after COVID, we, mm-hmm. our society needs that yeah. in some way, shape or form. Um, yeah. Holding people accountable for their actions through their age, through mm-hmm. um, imparting wisdom, all that is so imperative.
0: Yeah. I, I know. You're right. We have lost that. I mean, I think that, you know, we have, When people are younger, like there are like the American rituals of like getting your driver's license and graduating high school or college or getting married or whatever. And we do ritualize that. But once you're married, if that's your path, there's not a lot until you're dead. It's like your funeral is the next ritual that's about you. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I I agree. It's so important to me to think about that and what that means, and I I, and because of it, I think it's you know recently I've kind of sought out practicing with a group again because it feels like it's time. I don't I don't really know how to describe it. It just feels like it's time. So absolutely, all those transitions. It's important.
1: I think the group um, group practice is important. Unfortunately for me, like um, my group is in Florida and I'm in Chicago. Mm -hmm so it uh, it takes it takes travel it takes time and money to travel you mm-hmm. know to get the knowledge to work with my elders so I, I do seek out elders here and try to get into like community um mm-hmm. uh community uh i'm gonna say events because it's not an event but th- but some of the ceremonies like mm-hmm. this morning, which I totally slept on, literally slept on. <laughs> um ugh, girl, five o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock is five. early. Yeah, I gotta yeah. <laughs> so um it, it's it's really it takes it takes some some um I think persistence. Um, for, because for the most part, I end up being a self practitioner, and I just mm-hmm. I, I do seek out an elder to help me with that. So I do have some elders, but the community part it's it's hard. This is an African based tradition where mm-hmm. it, it is based in community. You know, back mm-hmm. back in the day, it was a whole village that practiced together, and right. so you know, now we not not so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that when I was reading the chapter, and then just thinking about like like you said, your group's in Florida and you're in Chicago. So how, yeah. you know, that, and I think I've I've listened to interviews with Lilith Dorsey and she talks about that too and in, in her tradition. And like how, I like, guess there are things about modern technology that have made that easier. Like travel is a little easier than it was a hundred years ago, but it's still yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, it's just expensive. the outlay of that. And, and um, there, you know, there's also, you know, the internet and stuff like that. But it just, it changes the dynamic of, mm-hmm. of how to do things. Like now, if I'll, you know, if I have an elder in Florida, it's like, I'll call them and we'll do like a telephone reading mm-hmm. and they'll throw their, they'll throw their shells or they'll throw their, um, their apele, right? The, and, um, and that's how I get my reading or I'll get a e- reading via email, which is like, who would have thought of that? You know, Yeah, Some, a lot of people, and a lot of elders that I know don't like to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same but at the end of the day when we're doing some ceremonies community is com- it's a communal practice it's community so y- it, keeping the faith is really really um i want to say hard but it, it it you know you have to be you have to be committed it's a commitment right. mm-hmm. this is really a commitment
0: yeah i think that i think you made that clear in the chapter uh, you know, as those things that can be shared. Right. And I yeah, liked the, I, I liked the idea to uh, or the part where you're talking about how, like because Chicago was such a segregated city that even the groups in Chicago were segregated from each other. And then that's changing as well. Yeah.
1: And the ceremonies today, it's uh there's a group here in Chicago called Oloisha United. And they're also there, there are a couple of chapters in the United States. And so it's about bringing the community together mm-hmm. and, and, and doing and and holding these practices, um, as a group for people who need it. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, I like that. It's one of those ways that things change and evolve, right? Yes. That's beautiful. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that just seems exciting to me, especially like I was wondering in, in just reading that, like if, because I, I mean, especially now, like things are complicated and expensive. And like, if you're, you know, the practicing in community is so dependent on being in a certain place. Yeah. Like, how then would a community change and react to that for people who just can't afford to do that? You know, how do you embrace, you know, I, the craziness well, that we're in right now? I guess.
1: Yeah. So a lot of telephone calls or Facetimes, mm-hmm. um, and just understanding that you're gonna have to like go either. Some people get or uh, some people get initiated in Cuba,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so it's like. There's one woman, Marta Morena um, Vega, who is one of the f- she, she's an artist. She's in New York. She, and her her group, it, the house is called an Ile. Her Ile is in Cuba. So back in the 70s, 80s, when she got initiated, she would have to go back to Cuba and she couldn't as often. But then she mm-hmm. just created this whole um um, she just does wonderful work to bring all the communities together now, yeah. you know, as an elder in the community. But I think that when you, you initiate, you go in knowing that you, you are going to have to come back to the place of initiation, the place of, of, of basically your birth, because this mm-hmm. is a rebirthing of you right. and, and do the work, uh, another way is to maybe connect with another group in your local town. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been able to do. There's yeah. been, um, some of the groups that I talked about. Um, and I am able to engage with them and do ceremony with them. Um, sometimes I have elders here in Chicago who will come and do ceremony. the ceremonies that I need. Mm-hmm. We'll gather some people here in my home and do what needs to be done for them. So, or they come from Florida and they come stay with me. and Yeah. Yeah. So it, it we, we work it the way it needs to be worked. It's not always the best way to do it but it gets
0: done because yeah. the ritual needs to be done yeah i would say uh is make do and i exactly. think that applies to lots of magical communities <laughs> so,
1: exactly yeah. and, and that's how it's always been i mean if you think about it the 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 herbs the plants and the tools of africa are not the herbs the plants and tools of chicago mm-hmm. so you know we that's the evolution of the uses of the herbs um mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to stand out to Florida to them, man. Like we're yeah. waiting on herbs to come from Florida so we can yeah. do what we need to do.
0: Yeah. Like the, the bioregionalism of Chicago and Florida are very different or Cuba, even to Florida and Chicago. Like, yeah. Oh, no, I, it's I don't know. I, it's one of those things that like I think, you know, when you get in your own little bubble, you don't think about. Yeah. And then when you learn about it, you're just like, oh, like it's this beautiful unfolding of knowledge. So thank you for sharing that because I think it is really, I think it's really important to hear a, how other people do things and how other people organize around this kind of global practice that a lot of us yeah. have and how you just make those things work and, you know, are connected, but still distant. Reality. And if you think about it, there are practitioners in Spain, there are
1: practitioners in like European countries like Sweden, it's, it's insane how mm-hmm. it's, it's evolved and it's grown. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, they're all the way over there. Where are these, you know, how, how do they get these Cuban herbs and what they have mm-hmm. to go through? So I think it's a really a testament of faith and it's really a
0: testament of commitment.
1: Now mm-hmm. oh, that's beautiful.
0: So one of the questions I do like to ask everybody, and I think yes. this is a good lead in from this is, what do you most want people to take away from your writing and what you share? Like, what do you want people to walk away with? Um,
1: It's one perspective. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't hold absolute knowledge. I, you know, I think that, you know, when, when people open a book, you know, the author is the expert, especially if if it's an, you know, if it's an anthology or, or whatever it is, the author is the expert and I'm an expert and I'm an expert, and I, I'm showing my fingers like this is big. Um, and I don't hold absolute knowledge. I'm giving perspective from my personal lived experience. I'm giving experience from the the way I was taught and the teachings that I received. And because there are so many um, different, I'll say, illes and 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 initiates throughout mm-hmm. the world and throughout the United States, some of the some of those things might might be different maybe the order of ceremony how you receive a lick is Mm -hmm. the beads how you receive um but it's all similar but not the same for a lot of times right um and so i i just want people to know i don't hold absolute knowledge but it this is my truth this is how i was taught these are the teachings that i'm i'm um sharing with people and you know i hope that um I hope that there is is some, some learning done. And I hope mm-hmm. that people enjoy reading and, and adding to their understanding
0: of of spirituality. Yeah, I like that. Um so before we get to our game of chance question at the ah! end, <laughs> I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, are you gonna plug whatever you want? Where can people find you? What's going on? This will air in October. Okay. So just like if you've got an appearance or something, anything you want to share with folks and where they can find out more about you.
1: Stay tuned for the Aquarius Witch, uh, working with Evo on that. Let's see. And big, big shout out and, and hug and uh, uh, love to Evo who's recovering. Um, I know he was, he was ill. He was very ill. So I'm glad he's, he's recovering and I'm just so grateful to him for embracing me. So I love you, Evo, if you're listening. Um, so look out for that. And in the meantime, um, I can be found on Facebook. I am hija de Obatala, daughter of Obatala in Spanish. Also, I have a Facebook page called All of Wings and Warriors, and I have another Facebook page, ATR, Amer- um African Traditional Religion, ATR. That's what it stands for, ATR in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So it's a page where I just again disseminating information. I'm there. I'm not there to fight. I'm not there to you know some <laughs> some of these Facebook pages are just like you know spicy. I see and yeah. I, <laughs> and really you know um, there are people who are Sangomas from South Africa on there. There are people who are Rudume practitioners. There are people like me, Lukumi Ifa, and just you know I just put stuff up to educate people. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what's going on. I lead kind of a boring life between theory making and
0: and, and, and writing and teaching. I know. That sounds pretty exciting to me. <laughs> and we'll make sure all that gets in the show notes so people can find it a little easier.
1: Um, Excellent.
0: Yeah. And so our last question is a tiny game of chance. Okay. And I always joke that as a Scorpio, I don't know how to do small talk, which Eva would probably appreciate. Um, <laughs> so I... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to roll this lovely purple die, And depending on what number I get, you'll get a question about death, sex, religion, politics or money. And if I roll a six, you get to pick which one you want. Oh, dear. Okay. Let's see what we get. Three religion. Oh, of Um, course. Not that we haven't been talking about that at all. Right? Um, Here we go. (laughs) So I guess one of the things I think a lot of people are afraid to ask Because if you're outside the community of practice of Lukumi or Espiritismo, like, and you're interested, like, what is the first step? Like, what is, how is it the way to respectfully approach? Wow. The first
1: thing that needs to be done is, um, you know, oh my gosh, loaded question. It is. I always (laughs) say find an elder, right? But because not everybody is, Public, like if you and you can see me today, listeners, you can't see me, but I'm wearing some overalls and a t shirt. I don't have any insignia, I'm not walking around with white head wraps. Sometimes I do, but you know, Saturday at home, I'm not. It's really hard to find an elder in your community. Um, going on Facebook pages, it there are a lot of predators out there, you know. Um, what I say is read up on the practice. And when and I found this with myself and just a lot of people, you will be led to who you need to be led to when you're ready. But really just educate yourself on it. Um, going on forums is great for education. Um, but when you when if you're really hungry to begin the practice and you start saying, hey, I'm looking for an elder who wants to be my elder. There are a lot of predator out there preying on money and mm-hmm. and just other things that i would just be really careful about yeah just educate yourself um you can go to Ol- olorisha's united that's mm-hmm. a really great great site um and i'm just like hey reach out to me like i am steer in the right direction i don't i'm not trying to gain any money from anybody like <laughs> i'm too busy yeah well, but finding 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 an elder, which is hard. Yeah. My, I'm sorry, my dog was really loud. Okay. <laughs> we love animal cameos. It's fine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, just reaching out to another that's reputable, which is hard. But I just find that when when you are ready and 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 you put it out to the universe, that will manifest for you. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me because so this is really a real commitment. Practitioners, practitioners who, who you know, sometimes you got. And let me tell you, oh, I'm going to say this. Sometimes the elder the that you need is not the elder that's closest to you. Sometimes mm-hmm. people get with elders that are close to them down the block or around the, you know, or uh, in the neighborhood because it's convenient. But that convenient sometimes becomes very expensive. Almost as expensive as having an elder that's away from you. Yeah. And when you are looking for an elder, you know, make sure that they're not asking you to do a ceremony immediately or that you have to get um, initiated. You have to have X, Y, and Z immediately or, you know, something bad is going to happen to you. So just follow your guts. If something doesn't feel right, then it probably isn't. I think we all have a little witchiness in us. I think Mm -hmm. that your gut is your most powerful, um, your most powerful compass. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that um, always keep in mind follow your gut.
0: Yeah. I think that's good advice on multiple levels and multiple topics. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, No. And I think that's good. I think that's important to hear that. You know, sometimes it may take some leg work, but you'll be led to the right place. Because I do I believe I do believe that about a lot of things. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for coming on the show and having this conversation and writing this lovely chapter and sharing your practice of obviously within constraints, <laughs> what you can share. But and and just thank you for your lovely, bubbly personality. This has been such a lovely conversation. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and just Talk talk about what I do cuz I don't
1: really get a chance to do that.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, good. Well, when you uh when you get your book written, let's do this again. Absolutely. We will plan. Awesome. All right, Thank we'll take so care. Much. All right. Bye. Bye. Witchlit is a production of Thousand Volt Press and is edited by Julian Rashke. Our intro music is Cosmic Glow by Andrew Kay and our outro music is Voices by Alexander Shinekar. Transcripts and all our previous episodes are available at witchlitpod.com and you can follow us on Instagram at witchlitpod. Please help other witches find us by leaving a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to and reading Witchlet.